This morning, if you could please stand for the reading of God's Word. Our Old Testament reading this morning is from the book of Nehemiah, in the 8th chapter, beginning in verse 1. And all the people gathered as one man into the square before the water gate. And they told Ezra the scribe to bring the book of the law of Moses that the Lord had commanded Israel. So Ezra the priest brought the law before the assembly, both men and women and all who could understand what they heard, on the first day of the seventh month. And he read from it facing the square before the water gate from early morning until midday in the presence of the men and the women and those who could understand. And the ears of all the people were attentive to the book of the law. And Ezra the scribe stood on a wooden platform that they had made for that purpose. And beside him stood Mattathiah, Shema, Ananiah, Uriah, Hilkai, and Messiah on his right hand. And Padiah, Mishael, Malchajai, Hashum, Hashbananah, Zechariah, and Meshulam on his left hand. And Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people, for he was above all the people. And as he opened it, all the people stood. And Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God, and all the people answered, Amen, Amen, lifting up their hands. And they bowed their heads and worshipped the Lord with their faces to the ground. Also, Jeshua, Bani, Sherebiah, Jamin, Akub, Shabbatai, Hodiah, Messiah, Kalita, Azariah, Josabad, Hanan, Peliah, the Levites, helped the people to understand the law while the people remained in their places. They read from the book, from the law of God, clearly, and they gave the sense so the people understood the reading. And our New Testament reading this morning comes from the book of 2 Timothy, chapter 3, beginning in verse 1. But understand this, that in the last days there will come times of difficulty. For people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness but denying its power. Avoid such people. For among them are those who creep into households and capture weak women, burdened with sins and led astray by various passions, always learning and never able to arrive at a knowledge of the truth. Just as Jonas and John Brace opposed Moses, so these men also opposed the truth, men corrupted in mind and disqualified regarding the faith. But they will not get very far, for their folly will be plain to all, as was that of those two men. You, however, have followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness, my persecutions and sufferings that happened to me at Antioch, at Iconium, and at Lystra, which persecutions I endure. Yet from them all the Lord rescued me. Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, while evil people and impostors will go on from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it, 
and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. How do you prepare to go camping? When I go camping, I make a list. Sleeping bag, a flashlight, a tent with poles and stakes, a skillet because you have to have eggs and bacon when you're camping, water, matches, trash bags, and toilet paper. These are things that I think of. What does your list consist of? Maybe it consists of a camper or electricity, maybe an air mattress, bug spray, fishing gear, hunting gear, lighter fluid, a portable coffee maker or espresso maker. If you Google camping checklist, one of the first things on the list is a list from REI and it's two-page double-column checklist of everything you need to go camping. How long is your list? At REI, which stands for Recreational Equipment Incorporated, a Seattle-based company, their goal is to best equip people to go outdoors, whether camping or hiking or fishing or cycling or climbing or canoeing. You name it, if you're trying to be outdoorsy, REI is your one-stop shop, equipping you for your adventure. Coming to Memphis, October 2018. As we pack our bags and cars, wherever we take us, REI either reminds us of what we need, of what we don't think we'll need, or it presents to us things we didn't even know existed that we might need. In Paul's second letter to Timothy, a teacher and preacher of God's word, he is giving him a list to equip him for the ministry so that he can equip the church. What could Timothy need to equip the church? This list is very important. And Paul tells us the lists consist of God's word. Paul tells Timothy, this is at the top of your list. To equip God's people, you must give them God's word. or you and your church will not survive. Paul wrote this letter from prison. Is like a distributor. Timothy is like REI. Paul sends Timothy what he provides the people. And God, as we will see in verses 16 and 17, is the manufacturer. He is the author of the message. Paul supplies the things that Timothy gives the church, and God gives him everything that he needs to preach and teach the gospel of Jesus. But this is not all that this text says. This text also teaches us that there's something else being sold, that there's another store trying to equip us for this life 
But that store is selling us something completely different. It is selling us lies. It's selling us the lie that of things that we think we need to appear as godly. To give us the appearance that we need this to be happy. It sells us something that we think will save ourselves. And what they are selling is a lie. But because our hearts and our minds are darkened by sin, we are tempted to buy that lie. Our hearts wonder after things, even though those things hurt us. Our hearts desire ungodly things. Our ears are itching to hear shortcuts that make our lives easier, that makes our suffering shorter, that makes our efforts greater, that makes our sin less. And ultimately, it makes God's word untrue, undependable, and unimportant. Our hearts are searching after anything this world will offer us to replace God's word. Our hearts desire to turn us inward rather than outward. And by our own wisdom, we cannot make ourselves wise. And on our own, we cannot hear God's word. We cannot understand the scriptures. We cannot live godly lives. We can't even change our own hearts. No matter how hard we try, no matter how many self-helps we read, no matter how much you give, no matter how good you think you are, our hearts have been darkened. But the scriptures tell us that Jesus is our salvation, that Jesus changes our hearts, that Jesus opens our eyes. He has called us, and he has brought us to life. And this, Paul says, is the message of God. The scriptures reveal Jesus, our Messiah, and in him there is no darkness, the light of the world. And he makes the darkness flee. And when we hear the word of God, and we believe in the gospel of Jesus Christ, the darkness in our hearts is destroyed. He is the light of the world. And he is the light, and he brings us into the light. So we, therefore, shine. And because God has revealed Jesus to us in the scriptures, We must do two things. I think this is what this text is teaching us. We must reject false teaching, and we must receive God's teaching. We must reject false teaching. In the movie Veggie Tales, the the fib from outer space, Junior Asparagus is introduced to Fabrilius Minimus, who goes by Fib. Fib comes to Junior's help. And he says to him, I'm here to help you. 
Because what has just happened is Junior Asparagus has just broken his father's favorite plate of the picture of Uncle Art Bugatti, the best bowler who ever rolled a ball. Fib comes to Junior and tells him, what you need is a story. You need to make up a story about how someone else broke the plate. Junior's response to him, you want me to lie? Fib tells him, no, not a lie, just a fib. A little fib never hurt anybody. Well, Junior's dad arrives, sees the plate broken on the floor, and he asks Junior what happened. And Junior lies. And before you know it, fib begins to grow. Not only has Junior lied, but he actually blamed what happened on his friend. And Fib tells him, a fib never hurt anyone. And it's over. You are now free. The show continues and Fib gets bigger. Junior continues to lie. And he is convinced that Fib is not out to hurt anybody. Until Fib from outer space has completely taken over Junior's life. What we see in 2 Timothy 3, 1-9 through 9, is something very similar to Junior's fib. We see a false narrative presented, a false product. We see the depths of human sin, and we must, as God's people, reject it. Paul goes through a pretty extensive list of the difficulty that Timothy will face. Read with me verses 3 or verses 1 through 5 from chapter 3. But understand this in these last days, there will come times of difficulty. For people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, youth group, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self control. Brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness, but denying its power. This is what Paul says is how people will be in the last days. In the days between Christ's ascension into heaven and his return, the days in which we are currently living, and he tells us at the end of verse 5, avoid such people. Well, if you're like me, the first time I heard that, it's like, that doesn't sound right. We're supposed to avoid all non-Christians? Avoid such people. Aren't we supposed to be loving these people? Aren't these the people that we're supposed to take the gospel to? And my answer is, yes, we are supposed to take the gospel to these people. But we must continue reading. In verse 6, from among them are those who creep into households and capture weak women burdened with their sins and led astray by various passions, always learning to nev and never able to arrive at the knowledge of truth. Paul identifies two groups of people. Verses 1 through 5 
all humanity lost in their sin. All who were by nature children of wrath. But in verses 6 through 8, he describes a different group of people. A, a smaller group from the larger group. And these are teachers that lead others astray, opposing the truth. They're corrupted in mind. They are disqualified regarding the faith in Christ. And they teach folly. We must understand what Paul is saying. Remember, he's writing this letter to Timothy, a leader of the church. He's not saying don't talk to these people, but he's saying as a leader of the church, protect yourself from these people. Don't be lured by their lifestyle. They're going to tell you that they have answers, but all they have is lies. Timothy, do not be swayed. Paul's message seems pretty simple. Timothy, it's going to be hard. People are going to be selfish. They're going to love everything except God. And there's going to be false teachers going after the weak as an animal preys on the weakest link. And this seems very easy enough to understand. Protect yourself. Hey, Timothy, don't listen to them. You will understand what they're saying isn't true. But as we look at this list and we look at our own lives, we see that this list is supposed to be describing the people that don't know Jesus. But we quickly discover sometimes this describes us. Lovers of self rather than lovers of God. Lovers of money rather than lovers of God. Not loving good appearing to be godly, denying God's power. But we need to make something clear. Who are we in this passage? Paul is writing to a leader of the church. Are we to identify with Timothy? And it might not seem clear at once as you read the entire book, but of course Paul wants the Christians to hear what he is telling his teacher. He wants all Christians to stay away from the lifestyles that lead to sin. But brothers and sisters, this is written to the leaders of the church. For a man of God, as we see in verse 17. And a man of God is someone who teaches God's word. In the Old Testament, it specifically references to Moses, to David, to Elijah, to Elisha, and an unknown prophet. The letters written to the leaders of God's church but it's also written for God's church. The book is written to your leaders, to your elders, and to your deacons. This passage is written to them so that they may receive the word of God so that you may be taught the word of God and so that you may be equipped for every good work. And this is not easy. Because the world is selling the leaders of Christ's Presbyterian Church a false gospel. It's selling them ways to be lazy in their leadership. They're selling them sin. They're selling them a fib. They're telling them that their sin won't hurt anybody. But in reality, 
not only does their sin hurt them, not only does their sin hurt their family, but their sin hurts you, God's people. And that might seem weird. This letter in the Bible, not written to the entire church. But let me make a small clarification that it is written for the church. So you might ask, what does this mean for me? Well, I'll ask you. How are you helping the leaders of the church so that they might not be disqualified from the faith? How are you helping your leaders not be led in sin? How are you helping your leaders being led in righteousness so that you will be led in righteousness? How are you pointing your leaders to the gospel so that they can point you to the gospel? How are you praying for them? How are you encouraging them? How are you looking out for their families? Pray for your leaders so that they may lead godly lives, so that they may lead God's people in God's truth. Pray for them that they don't buy into the many lies that they're told every day, that it's about them that they should look at what they have done for God's church, that they should look at the power that they have in the church, that it's okay to sin because it won't hurt anyone. Point them to Jesus. Because Jesus is who equips them to be a leader. Jesus is who has changed their lives so they can change your life. And you might be say, this is pretty easy for you to say, you're the pastor. Of course you're only thinking about yourself. And my response is that every second of every day, I fight this list. I look at the world and it's telling me not to follow Jesus. That I need something other than the gospel to make me happy. But this text was written to leaders of the church so that we can know that our only hope in life and in death is our Savior, Jesus Christ. If you care about your own soul, you will pray for the souls of your leaders so they will have the strength to point you to cross, because on their own, they don't have that strength. I don't have that strength. I need the power of the Holy Spirit to point you to the gospel. Because ask my wife. I point to me all the time. I need the strength of the Spirit to point you so you can be righteous, so that you may be complete, so that you may be equipped for every good work for Jesus. So we must reject false teaching. We must also receive Jesus' teaching. Um, I don't know if I said this earlier, but I've actually learned a whole lot this week. Uh, I picked 2 Timothy because it is the Textus Classicus. It is the proof text that people use 
for the doctrine of Scripture. 2 Timothy 3, 15-17. There's been dissertations, papers, books, commentaries written upon these verses. But what I've learned is what do these verses have to do with the verses around them? And even though this doctrine here is does teach the infallibility and inerrancy of Scripture, infallibility, Scripture cannot err, and, and inerrancy, Scripture does not err, but what does it have to do with this text? What does this doctrine have to do with 2 Timothy 3? And I think what, this, with what these verses actually do is I think they serve as the anchor of Paul's entire argument. You see, Timothy joined Paul on Paul's second missionary journey in Acts 16. And then Paul tells us here in verses 10 through 12 what he has taught Timothy. You, however, verse 10, have followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness, my persecutions and sufferings that happened to me at Antioch, at, I- at Iconium, I can't get it, Iconium and Lystra, which persecutions I endured. Yet from them all the Lord rescued me. Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Paul has taught Timothy the faith. He has taught Timothy how to suffer. He has taught Timothy how to conduct himself. He has taught Timothy how to be patient. He has taught Timothy how to be loving and steadfast. But he goes even further than this. As we read verse 15, and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred scriptures. In chapter 1, it actually speaks about how he was raised by his grandmother and his mother. That they are the ones that taught him the sacred scriptures. That from birth, Timothy has been taught the scriptures. And then he goes along with Paul, and Paul teaches him how to be a minister of the gospel. All of these things have been given to Timothy so he can be wise unto salvation. And Paul encourages him in verse 14, But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from where you learned it. And then we get to verse 16 and 17. And I think what Paul is doing here is he's laying his trump card. For in this text, he's not just teaching Timothy what he knows. He isn't just teaching some subjective philosophy. His parents or his mother and his grandmother didn't just teach them how to live your best life now. Although they probably taught him how to apply the scriptures in his life, Paul lays down his cards and says, Oh yeah, by the way, what I taught you, what your mother and your grandmother taught you, all scripture is, got, is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for proof, for correction, and training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Not only what was Paul taught him is important, not only what his mother and grandmother taught him was important, but they were important because it was God's word that they were teaching him. The scriptures are breathed out by God. That literally means when God speaks 
his word goes out. If you remember when David Meredith was here at the beginning of the month, he spoke about this, that when God breathed out and his word is preached, every place the sound waves go are being affected by God's word. If scripture is God speaking, literally him breathing out, revealing himself, there's a second aspect of that. And it's not actually talked about very often. B.B. Warfield talked about it in his book on inspiration and authority of Scripture. But not only does God breathe out and speak, but in a covenant relationship, there must be those that hear God, that believe God, that follow what He says. There is necessarily those who hear and respond and those who do not. Responding is trusting, believing, and ultimately living by God's word. Paul is telling Timothy to faithfully teach God's word. It must change your heart and mind so that it can change others' hearts and minds. This message didn't originate in men. Preach the word is what we see in 2 Timothy 4. Teach in love. Reprove with patience. Correct with gentleness. Train God's people in righteousness. Again, you might be asking, what does this have to do with me? And I'll ask you this question. How do you take reproof from others? How do you take it when someone reveals that there's something in your life that isn't accord with God's scriptures? Because if God has anointed with his Holy Spirit the leaders of this church, and they are guiding you in love and in patience, do you receive their word as the word of the Lord? Because it will bring you life. How do you take correction? Someone coming alongside you, trying to help you make right things between you and God, or maybe you and someone else. How do you receive training in righteousness? Is this something that you seek out as God's people from your leaders? Authority is a hard topic. None of us want to be under authority. But if God's word is true, and if God does not lie, and if God has revealed himself, and that the scriptures are his word, we must submit to God's word. This is the doctrine of sola scriptura. Now, that, hear me, this authority can be used poorly. It can be done sinfully. Because until Jesus returns, all of us, the leaders of Christ Presbyterian Church and the people of Christ Presbyterian Church and the church in general will continue to sin. But you have been called as God's people to expect and to desire these things for your leaders and for yourself. Because that's what the gospel teaches. Do you know that your leaders are on your side? That your elders and your deacons 
pray for you all the time. That they try to serve you as the Bible has commanded them to serve you. Do you truly pray and desire for the righteousness of Christ for your leaders? Because if you do, it's actually for your benefit, not just for theirs. We are all in this together. In 2 Timothy 3, there are two competing messages. What, what message do you believe? Paul tells us that one is true and ultimately from God, and the other is false. And ultimately, as the youth group looked this last week, ultimately from the prince of the power of the air. Which message do you find yourself regularly listening to? Are you using the gifts of God's people? Are you using the church to help you listen to the word of God? Are you seeking help when you need help? Or are you trying to tell yourself, it's not going to hurt anybody? Or are you telling yourself, I can do it on my own? Because what the gospel teaches us is that we all need something outside of ourselves to save us. We need something outside of ourselves to equip us to do good works. And we first need God's word because that is where God reveals himself to his people. We also need one another. Because we know we can't do it on our own. God has established the church as his agent of redemption. We proclaim the word. We teach the word. We use the word to reprove ourselves when we are in an error. We allow the word to correct us, to return to the path of Jesus. We allow the word to train us in righteousness because that's how we love the world around us. And we only do this because of the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ and the power of his spirit. Because what the world is telling us is a lie. We need Jesus to open our eyes. We need Jesus to soften our hearts. We need Jesus to allow us to hear his word. Will you survive? Are you using the resources that God has given you to equip you for every good work? And as we saw in Nehemiah 8, it is God's word that should direct us. And it is up to our leaders to help us understand it so that Jesus can move inside all of us. And it's up to your leaders to point you there. And it is up to you to follow. Amen. Please pray with me. Father, we thank you for your word. Lord, we are so thankful for Jesus. Because we would only love ourselves, we would be prideful if it wasn't for him. We thank you for revealing yourselves in the scriptures. We thank you for establishing your church for the good of your people and ultimately for the good of the entire world. 
You have called us to be a holy people set apart for you in your service. Lord, may we encourage one another to be led by Jesus, the head of the church. May we encourage one another with our strengths. If we struggle with worry, may we find someone who can encourage us. If we struggle with lust, may we find someone to encourage us. Lord, I pray for the leaders of Christ Presbyterian Church, that you will bless them and their families, that you will keep them upright, and that they will lead in righteousness. In Jesus' name, amen.